You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The US Federal Reserve came out with this interest rate decision after a two-day meeting. The decision was made last night and the market didn't seem to like it. On the telephone with me now is Philip Saunders, the co-head of multi-asset growth at 91 in London. It's almost as though, Philip, that if you went to a party, for example, which you probably do quite often, and you've had a couple of glasses of wine, at some point, the next glass of wine doesn't have the same impact. It's almost as though the market has said, well, the next out of interest rate cuts or quantitative easing increases is going to have no effect. That's the impression that I got, or am I being fanciful? Well, I think that, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a sort of pretty short-term reaction. You know, in fact, actually, what, um, um, what Powell said was, from my perspective, super bullish over the medium term. You know, because what was said that basically is that QE is going to sort of carry on running at about $120 billion a month, which you know, he regards as appropriate for market functioning and stimulus. Um, that's quite something. He's also said that uh, interest rates are going to remain low until uh, we're at maxim- maximum employment and inflation is at target. Um, and actually, the Fed's forecast is for inflation to be above that target. Um, you know, and that's going to take, what, two to three years. So, um, and also, you know, uh, what, what it implies is that actually policy gets looser as the recovery unfolds, um, you know, as inflation sort of bounces and, you know, um, uh, policy rates remain sort of, uh, you know, locked at, locked at zero. So I think the market's sort of initial, you know, what more can you want? Um, and um, what other goodies can the Fed basically offer to actually continue to inflate asset prices? And, you know, it's, you know, it's as good as it gets. And by golly, it is good from a, uh, from a sort of narrow sort of asset price perspective. You're talking your book, of course, Philip, but let me just read you a couple of headlines from the, the, the site that I favoured. I looked through several sites and see what they made of this whole decision last night. Anyway, it's from cnbc.com. It says here, Fed picks its side in inflation debate and sends market a message. No rate hikes for years for years, Fed Chairman Jerome Powell called the Fed's forward guidance on interest rates powerful, and the markets read it as dovish. But in fact, the market actually sold off and is continuing to sell off today. The Fed forecast it would keep interest rates at zero through to 2023. And at the same time, it does not see inflation rising to its 2% target until 2023 as well. And, 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 and so it goes on. It's the punch bowl story again, as I alluded to in my introduction. There's only so much that you can take. And at some point you have to say, well, everything's factored in. So where do we go now? Well, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's basically, um, you know, what this is, is, I believe, underwriting asset prices where they are at the moment. Um, it's quite interesting, the, the comments that he made about asset price inflation um, uh, not being a concern at the moment to the, to, to the Fed. And if they did become a concern, uh, then they're more likely to actually use macroprudential measures to address those rather than using interest rates, which we know are a blunt instrument. So I think that we shouldn't confuse ourselves about basically you know, a bit of short-term market volatility, uh, where the narrative is that, you know, oh, no, the Fed hasn't sort of, you know, actually 
upped the stakes even further because you've got to keep the sort of junkie going. The only way you can keep the junkie going is by actually continuing to up the ante. I don't think you need that. So I think it's, uh, you know, the fact that markets have sold off, you know, is due to, you know, basically what short-term traders are doing at the moment. Um, and, you know, basically, if you look at the last month, uh, we've seen a, a rotational correction in the S&P with sort of financials flat and tech down about 9% or so, general market down off just over 4%. Um, and, you know, that's, you know, so it's a bit of a consolidation, you know, after the market sort of rallied a lot. And, and I think the interesting thing is that the sort of, you know, Actually, the S&P hasn't really done that much in that context. Uh, and you've seen a pretty significant rotation. So uh, I think we shouldn't read too much into the market's knee-jerk reaction to, you know, the lack of another 10 or $20 billion of uh, monthly QE. Okay. After what you heard last night, uh, you and the team at uh, the multi-asset growth uh, department of 91 are doing anything different, or is it just steady as you go, cheap money? Asset classes will continue to inflate, and uh, we just have to occasionally adjust our asset class bullishness. Yeah, I mean, we we had nudged back our tech exposure, um, you know, pr- prior to this um, uh, prior to this sort of you know this sort of corrective behaviour in, in, in the market. Um, you know, we've continued to run pretty short dollar positions. I mean, it's quite one of the more interesting things that's happened recently is the extent of dollar weakness against the renminbi. Um, and, um, and, you know, where we've got pretty significant positions. Uh, so, you know, actually, um, you know, parts of our portfolios have been doing absolutely fine in these circumstances, you know, although basically equities have, um, have corrected modestly. Um, and uh, so, so I think we've got to continue to look through the noise. I think it's sort of a super supportive environment for asset prices, um, and I think the next thing to expect, you know, is more of a rotation into sort of cyclicals, you know, as greater confidence builds in the possibility of having vaccines. Um, and we see the sort of continuing normalization, you know, notwithstanding uh, the, some of the sort of, you know, the media's obsession with sort of COVID spikes happening, secondary sort of bouts of infection. And, and do you dismiss that, do you? Yeah, and I think the other thing that, um, that that obviously market participants have been focusing on, you know, is the U.S. presidential elections. Right. You know, uh, you know, as a reason for actually um, sort of cutting exposure and de-risking and so forth. Um, and you know, I think that if we're right, uh, and it's basically sort of building recovery um, and continue, continuing um, um, uh, continuing sort of low rates for an extremely long time and continuing QE, uh, then I think we've got to look through this noise. And I think the US presidential election is largely noise at any rate. Okay, we'll see. It's November the 3rd and it's it, it's looming and the market will, of course, be a little bit choppy. Okay, so you've dismissed the US. We well, haven't dismissed it, but you've said that it'll it'll disappear. And just like Donald Trump says that the coronavirus will, will disappear. You've analysed the US Federal Reserve's position and that's for the next two to three years. There's going to be zero interest rates, which, as you quite uh, eloquently put, is super supportive for asset classes. Uh, tell me about gold. Because I can remember probably around about three years ago, you and your team were very bullish of gold and you kept on saying it. Every interview that we had, whether it was about gold or something else, you mentioned gold and you've done very well out of it. What do you think now, now that it's sort of wobbled a bit when it got to that heady level of $2,000 an ounce plus? 
Yeah, I mean, I think gold's an interesting one, and um, and you know, we we basically remain long gold and gold mining shares. Um, we've you know saw a significant move up, and we've seen basically you know what amounts to a sort of you know period of consolidation, which is healthy, I think. Um, I think that uh, you know, technically speaking, um, uh, and some people regard that as mumbo jumbo, is that we got sort of you know flag forming, so it means that it's gold is likely to break sharply either up or down and i think that we're sort of you know we think the bias is still upwards you know the environment we think is supportive and and i think gold you know is an interesting potentially diversifying asset um at a time when it's pretty difficult to find diversifying assets uh so uh, yeah so so gold's probably still a buy on weakness um, I think a few weeks ago, basically, we felt that it was overdone, overstretched from a technical perspective. Um, but that sort of seems to be working its way out. So super easy environment, you know, basically interest, real interest rates actually continuing to decline over the course of the next 12 months or so uh, and possibly beyond. You know, that's um, and, you know, obviously, um, you know, even though um, economically speaking, things might be on a more even keel in the future. Um, you know, we think that there's going to be sort of, you know, there will be imponderables and continuing uncertainties. Um, and, you know, if you look at actually the interesting thing, if you look at, uh, you know, action on in terms of sort of ETF holdings of gold through ETFs, yes. they've been pretty stable. So the correction has been pretty, you know, it's been led by sort of shorter term trading activity. Um, whereas there seems to be a pretty sort of solid um, bid for the uh, b- bid for the for, for the metal, so I think that uh, um, happy to remain happy to remain long, um, and but watching the technicals in the short term. Philip, thanks so much for your time. That's Philip Saunders, the co-head of Multi Asset Growth at Ninety One in London. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors, and do not reflect the policy position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.